listening to Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and maybe even kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb. My name is Dan Benjamin. I'm joined here live and direct from the headquarters here in Austin, Texas by uh, none other than uh, Hattie Cook. Hattie, welcome back to the program. Hello. Yes, that's much better than <laughs> been before. We had a problem with uh, Hattie's noise gate and I think we fixed it. Yay. But see, they don't know, they don't know that. No. So, uh, you know, there we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a, a clip that we're going to play sent in by a listener. Is that is that this this listener here who sent it in asking for our opinion of I, the thing? It says interesting on the interesting is the, the I'll I let think you it's find. The third it. end. Yeah, I'll let you find. Well, I put them in order. In the meet, well, we're going to do that first. Oh, I want to get to that one. Uh, I want to do that one first. So we were watching uh, uh, at my house, Hattie. I know you've watched this program too. I actually just watched the season finale of season two of Last Chance You. Have you watched? La- you I have, have watched. I know that and you have. I like it. There are two seasons of Last Chance You. This is a Netflix program uh, that uh, I will put links to in the show notes. Show notes are going to be at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 112. Oh, and I put the uh, the thing about the change. About the change? About the fear of change. Fear of change. I Good. Well, I'm, I'm, leading, I'm leading up to that. Uh, anyway, this is a great program uh, on Netflix. It's a Netflix original program. And basically, this is a uh, a, a show about, and you don't, I'll tell you what, and I want to get your thoughts on this in a minute, Hattie, but you don't need to like football to watch this show because it's a story about personal challenges, meeting challenges, and how different people respond to challenges and pressure and things like that. And it's it's a, a, a personal story. It's a, great, it's a great story, especially the first season. Second season was also good. Uh, last Chance You. And the story here is that uh, you have kids who are going to college, typically a four-year school, and something happens to them. Maybe they, um, maybe they don't do well enough academically. Maybe they commit some kind of, um, you know, they get caught uh, smoking weed or something. You know, what, whatever it is, something uh, winds up, you know, they get a DUI. Something that tarnishes their reputation, their reputation yeah. or their record in some way, and they wind up getting kicked out of school for it. However, they still are excellent football players. So what what, what happens to them? Where do they go? Well, they go to East Mississippi Community College, EMCC, and they spend a year or two at that community college. Uh, and then based on their Essentially, it's almost like a rehab in a way. Yeah, it kind of it's like school rehab. It's like it's school like rehab. You have to relearn how to like be a student and relearn how to you know, and they work through emotional issues right. and things like that. I so. mean, while they continue to play football and they continue to do well, and uh, EMCC has this reputation for getting these guys and uh, and leading them to become much better people uh, because of of the the way their coaches and staff are involved. And many of them then after they finish their two years there get to come back to a good four year school. In many cases, some of the really good ones with really good football uh, programs and then go on perhaps to the NFL beyond. But anyway, this is a very, it's a very interesting, you get to know the people in it and, um, 
and it 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 made for really good uh, TV. Well, they just finished the second season. I just finished watching the second season, which came out, I guess, a couple months back. And the reason I bring this up is in the very last episode, one of the uh, football players is DeAndre Johnson. DeAndre Johnson is listening to, uh, I guess, what you might call a motivational. Yes. Talk while he's working out in the gym. Instead By, uh, of Les Brown. Les Brown. The famous Les Brown mm-hmm. talking about change. And so, Hattie, you mentioned that you put the yeah. talk into the show notes. I have notes. the transcript and also the YouTube video of the whole thing. So, we got both. Both of those will yeah. be in the show notes. Again, the show notes are going to be at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 112. Uh, and I recommend that you listen to this, especially if the subject of change is interesting to you. And I believe that it should be, uh, it should be very interesting. He talks about how, you know, a lot of people are so scared of making change, of making a change to their life, even though they're in something or doing something that's making them feel unhappy or whatever. Like people fear change so much that they're willing to be unhappy in what they're currently doing instead of changing it and seeing what happens. Yeah. But it's it's a good good speech. Well, one of the things that he says that really stuck with me is that um is that people are more they're they're willing to do anything in order to avoid things changing. Yep. They're willing to go to a job that they don't like. They're willing to uh to to endure all kinds of unhappy situations because they fear change, but change is inevitable. One of the tenets of Buddhism is that, uh, is that you know, the, the main cause, and I don't want to get all Buddhisty. We can get here, all Buddhisty. But the main cause of unhappiness, which uh, Buddhism refers to as suffering. Suffering is basically any kind of unhappiness or discontent that at the core of Buddhism is that in, in life there is suffering. People often translate it, this Buddhist um, philosophy as life is suffering. That's not, that's not accurate. That's Buddhist Buddhism doesn't say that. What it says is in life there is suffering and it is how you react to that suffering that puts you in a position to either feel the pain of suffering or not through that. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, there's this story of how, I guess somebody throws a rock and it hits the Buddha's foot. And they often quote this as saying like, does the Buddha not feel pain? Of course he felt pain. Even though he was a fully enlightened being, he still felt pain, but there was no suffering associated with that pain. That doesn't mean he didn't feel and fully experience the pain. He did. But there was no suffering. Suffering are are different. They're separate things. Suffering, pain is not optional. Suffering is optional. Right. Um, But we, as a general people everywhere, are willing to endure any kind of unhappiness to avoid change because we fear the unknown. We fear the the, that feel safer to continue doing something that makes you unhappy because at least you know what the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Right. Exactly. And so there's another component to this. And that is, uh, again, in, in Buddhism, the way that, uh, the way that people are, are creating suffering for themselves is they're clinging. That's a big thing in Buddhism. Oh, you're clinging. You're clinging to things being the way they are, even though 
things are constantly in a state of change. Uh, the term they use for that in Buddhism is impermanence. And that if you base your happiness, happiness, contentedness, comfort, whatever, if you're basing your happiness on things that are by nature impermanent and everything in the world all around us, everything is impermanent, everything. If you base your happiness on that as opposed to a deeper level of happiness that you can attain through Buddhist enlightenment, of course, then you will be unhappy all the time because things are never going to be right. Oh, I went and got that new iPhone. I was so happy for 20 minutes. Then right. I needed the next thing to make me happy. I felt angry or then I felt sad because all you're clinging to impermanent things. Even people in your life, your, your spouse, your kids, your relatives, uh, your friends, the job that you have, the car that you're driving, your current state of health, uh, whether you're thirsty or not, all of these things, if you're basing your happiness on these impermanent things, these things that will come and go and change, then you, you, your happiness will be impermanent. Why not right. base your happiness on something that is permanent, which is a joy through enlightenment, different topic, different show. But the, the point is, all this kind of goes back and I want to read a little, um, a little quote from this excellent transcript. I recommend everyone, at the very least, read the transcript. At least the first page. At least the first page. <laughs> uh, if not, if, if you don't want to listen to this whole thing, it's great. Um, gosh, I could, I could. I know, I could sit there and read the uh, entire thing. This whole thing is so good. <laughs> um, like each line, I want to highlight, but then I just highlight the whole thing. I'll just read a couple snippets of this to get people going. Uh, he's talking about um, the time when you were you had a, a a trajectory in your life and that things were all going well. And he says, special announcement, that day is gone. The day is gone, never to return again. So instead of people living in fear, feeling stressed out, feeling powerless, feeling like victims, I think it should be a time that we need to be... We need to begin to look at ways that we can become an active force in our own lives. Look at ways when we can decide to take charge of our own destiny. Look at ways we can decide to design a life of substance and begin to truly live our dreams. And it's time for people to decide. I'm ready to get on with my life. Shake somebody's hand on your right and left. A guy named Bob had to say, don't let nobody turn you around. Do that right quick. You got to listen to this. I'm I'm serious. This is a great. Yeah, it's just really good. and, uh, And he talks about, you know, sleepwalking. Through mm-hmm. life, uh, there's so much in here. You got You just gotta. Yeah, it's dense. You just gotta get in and listen to this thing. But uh, I really like that, and I really like the whole show. And you can watch. There's a video here of this. Uh, just watch it. It's good. It'll get you going. Watch this every morning. And you don't have to be into football. I watched it. I'm not a football person. Yeah, you didn't even like football. It's just it's an it's an interesting look at people. And um, there's one character or real life person on there <laughs> named Miss uh, Miss Wagner. Yeah, she's great, and she's fantastic. And we need more people like her in the world. I don't want to spoil it by saying what what happens to her, but you got to watch to find out. So anyway, this is on Netflix. Go watch it; it's really good. Uh, now that we had a listener write in. Hold on, before I do this. Uh, I want to thank I want to thank our sponsor. Are these in order because apparently if I do these out of order, how do you get angry at me? You can do them in any order today. She gets very angry. Yeah, I get really angry. <laughs> you don't want to see her angry. Big green. Basically, the Hulk. Thank you, Fresh Books, for sponsoring this program. 
I love FreshBooks. We use, do you use you use it all the time? I have you're, four FreshBooks tabs open right now. It's all you do, basically. <laughs> I'm basically your your job, other it's than being on this books. show, is to just do FreshBooks. I'm just kidding. That's not true, but you do do it a lot. Kind of, and true. of course, because that's how we invoice everybody at five by five, and uh, and all the ads and stuff that we do. That's how we make sure that we get paid. And I know lots of other freelancers that use it for the work that they do, whether they're doing design or development or you know any kind of work at all that you're going to invoice for. You can invoice with FreshBooks. They make everything incredibly easy. They simplify tasks like invoicing and tracking expensive expenses and they help you get paid. Expensive expenses. Expe- yes. <laughs> and they help you get paid and you can get paid right online. That's the thing. People right now say, oh, do you take credit cards? Can you? Can I pay you with a credit card? You're like, no, I'm not like at that kind of business. Yes, you are. If you have FreshBooks, yes, you are. But the main thing that I think of FreshBooks as making your life easier for is is easy, quick invoicing. You can send clean, professional-looking invoices. It takes you about 30 seconds. And you know whether these invoices have been seen by your customers because it shows you. You can. There's this projects feature that lets you share files and messages with your clients, your contractors, your employees, because they can all come in and use FreshBooks. And when you email a client an invoice, it ends this guessing game of did they get it because it shows right there, oh, you know, Bob opened the invoice on this day and time. They can send out late payment reminders. Like I said, it can handle your expense. I mean, they really do everything and it's all automated and they have award-winning customer support, super friendly, zero attitude. A real live person will answer the phone usually in three rings or less and like it's a real person and they're ready to help you. Genius stuff. They've been a longtime supporter, but I've been a customer way longer than they've been sponsoring these shows. So go check them out. They made a special deal. Go to freshbooks.com slash quit and you'll get an unrestricted 30-day free trial. All y'all listening right now, get this. Try it out. Freshbooks.com slash quit and enter quit in the how did you hear about us section and uh, we'll get credit for that referral. So um, go check it out. I mean, the invaluable tool. For it's me, Freshbooks is at the top of the stack of uh, of applications or services that I think everybody doing any kind of work, freelance up to, to big business, that you need something like this. Go check out FreshBooks. All right, now here's an email. We're going to play a little clip. Uh, can I say this person's name? They didn't say. I'm going to so say Kevin. I think that's safe. It's Kevin. I imagine it as Kevin from, from Bloodline. That Kevin. Uh, yeah, he would he would look at this. What's the last name in uh in Bloodline? Oh, um Ray, R- Raymond? No. Wait. Google Rayburn. It. Rayburn. No, you just said Raymond and so it, it Kevin, out. Kevin, it's not his last name here, but this, I'm We're imagining Kevin Raymond. Rayburn. Rayburn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying Raymond because I was just watching a clip of Rain Man the other Everybody day. loves Raymond? No. <laughs> Hi Dan and Hattie. Great discussion on the show as always. You know, I stop there. Stop reading it right the there. there you, we Kevin. don't need any more. But I will continue. In regards to the person who did work for the company as part of their application, I thought I'd present the other side. It's called a briefcase technique. And here is the main guy behind it describing how and why it works. And I will be playing you a clip of this in a moment. I've never actually done what he's describing. But I follow this guy, so I'd always thought this was an okay thing to do. But hearing your perspective was very interesting. I think I would think twice about it now. So... Uh, what he's talking about is a, an episode that we did a while back uh, where I was saying, don't ever do work for a company as, as part, part of, your- of, your, of the application for a job process. 
because there's always that chance that someone will be will look at what you've brought them, say thank you, we'll give you a call, take your ideas, use them, and never give you a call back, and, and, and never credit you. And that huh? is their that is their prerogative <laughs> to do that. Right. You basically handed them free work. Right. And I think <laughs> what I was talking about was in the context of a friend of mine who was an architect, and they did plans yes. for a Tiger Woods house. They got the the bid rejected, but some of the things that they came up with actually made it into the house. Right. Uh, so, designers get get taken a bunch of times um, or a lot with with things like that. Well, They'll if you say, could just hey, comp up a logo for us, and we'll right. That's going to be the the test. We're having every every uh, person, every applicant do it. Like, <laughs> right. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh, sure. Sure. So, you know, I, I've I'm always sort of opposed to this and skeptical of it. Um, and if if the to get the job, you need to do work for free. I mean that sets yeah, a bad precedent. It sets a bad precedent because what I uh, w- what I feel like the company is trying to do is see if they can push you around, right? To see if oh, you're going to stand can up you, to them or not. Can you believe they they're like doing a free work for us? We haven't even told them we we're going to hire them. They're already like doing free work to prove themselves. Wait until you see this pushover get the job. In fact, I was going to offer them seventy five k. I'm going to offer them fifty. I'll probably you know, take he's not it. Not going to push back. I'm going to push back. They're already right. doing a free work. I just think it sets a bad precedent. Yeah. Well, if you want, if you don't want the job, you don't have to. Well, you know, how about here's the work I've done before. You can see the kind of work that I've done. Then you can hire me and I'll do that kind of work or better for you here. And if you don't like it, you can fire me. Like that's called getting a job. (laughs) So let me play, let me play this clip. And, uh, and you can hear the briefcase technique from the gentleman who I guess coined it or came up with it. And his name is uh, Ramit. Ramit Sethi. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, so this is this is his video. It's it's not a long video. It's about uh, just under seven minutes. Clocks in at under seven minutes, and about a minute and fifty is yep. where if I'm you want it, where he describes what it is. Playing this clip. This is a technique that's earned me tens of thousands of dollars over the course of my career so far, and I love it because it works so well. It's called the briefcase technique. Now, what happens is you're a freelancer, you're going into a client meeting, you've already sent them a number of materials and they're really interested in perhaps working with you. So you go into this meeting and they kind of just want to talk and get to know you and get a feel for it. Now, one thing, but I'm going to interrupt him here. It sounds like he's, when he talks about like client meeting, he's not talking so much about getting a job, I think, as a job is in a, 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 a freelance gig. A freelance yes. gig. I'm a freelancer and I want you as a client, so I'm going to bring work to you. Right. And I'm I'm even more suspect yeah, of it in a situation say, like that's this. That's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> than just like, hi, I want the accounting job. Right, let's continue. <laughs> now the client's gonna ask you questions. Oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Now remember, up until this point you've already understood what their business problems are, what their challenges are, and potentially how you're going to solve them. So the client says, you know, I'm really just curious, um, what's your price here? And what you say at that point is, oh, actually, before we get to that, let me just show you something I put together. And you literally pull out from your briefcase a one, two, three, five-page proposal document. And this proposal isn't about your price. It's actually about things that you found in their business that you could improve and exactly how you would go through it. Imagine it. To the business owner as the most compelling menu they've ever gotten. They're literally looking at business problems that they know about, but you've identified them on the outside and you're saying, well, the website doesn't convert enough. 
there are three things I would do. I would run these tests, time, approximately one month. Or we could do this, or we could do this. Just choose and let me know. The business owner is salivating because he knows that he could get all these things done and the person to solve it would be you. Okay? No, no, no. <laughs> He does I know not, you were holding on to the last uh, second. He does, he does not. He is not salivating because he thinks it's going to be you. He's salivating because he wants the damn paper. Right. Give me those five pages and let them let them go into my I don't case. need you anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to think you're the one to do it. No, he's not. He can give it to some intern and That's say, hey, right. do this stuff. He's going to say, you know what? We got two interns sitting there drinking a Mountain Dew. Let's right. go pull them out and actually give them something to do. Hey, guys, here's a one, two, three, four, five-page document I want you <laughs> Have to Have it d- done by s- the end of the month. Screw that. And also, I'm pay- paying you minimum wage because you're an intern. Wouldn't <laughs> you say that it would be uh, bad for the employer to do that? Yes, it would be. Right. But this is the real world, and it's real business. And guess what? People are cutthroat. People are going to do it. <laughs> You know what it's They're kind of like? I mean, you know what it's like kind of like? It's like when a, a villain in a movie is like when the the good guys tied up or something and he's like he's first I'm going to do this right. and then I'm going to do that. You're like all this time you're giving me ways out of the of whatever you're about to do. Yeah, I it's the same thing. <laughs> it's I like what? I just don't, you know, now here's the thing. I understand what he's saying. And let's let's make believe we live in a perfect world where everyone is nice, where everyone is nice and everyone is honest and everyone is going to say, no well, you know, what? ideas. He came to me with those ideas. The only way I'm going to execute those ideas is if I hire remit remit. So I mean, I got to do it. I can't I can't right. hire, you know, I mean, it's I've been in a situation just like this where somebody I was interviewing, not for my own company, but for another company I was working for where they came in. And they had solutions to problems. Now, there's a couple problems that I have with that whole philosophy. Me too. The, I would like to hear yours. I'm going to go first. One of them is, uh, it's very difficult from the outside of a company, especially if you're being brought in for who knows what job, to really understand enough about the company and what's going on to be able to immediately identify their problems. Anytime you walk in cold like that, without being on the inside, without talking to the people, without finding out the reasons, without doing internal, for lack of a better term, case studies, where you're actually working with the people there. And I, I used to do consulting work. And in order to solve a problem, I would have to go in and spend time. It might take a day. It might take a week. It might take even longer of working with the people there to understand. If any time I walked in saying, I know what these guys need. I know what their problems are. I know what they... No, you don't. You really don't. And chances are you that idea that you're having, especially from the outside, chances are someone's already thought of that and they've already tried that. Right. And maybe <laughs> maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't work. But you can go in and you can find that out. To me, this technique that he's talking about is going to make you seem like uh, kind of like a know-it-all. Like, I know yeah. what to do for these idiots. They're also, coming to me. I'm a pro. Like, duh, I'm going to walk them through and it. And I can see all the flaws in your company. I'm going to point them all out in our meeting. Like, and that's you know what? Not- you know what? Maybe you didn't even realize these are things wrong with your company, but I can see it a mile away, and I'm going to tell want, you how to fix it. Yeah, I don't know if I would want somebody coming in being like immediately pointing Pom- out Pompous flaws. jerk. And being like, this is how you fix it, and I'm the only way. Like, no. (laughs) No, what you need to do is you need to go in, and remember a while back we talked about, and uh, we read Greg Story's uh, letter, or blog post, rather, 
where he talked about not being how hard it was for him to find a job after running his own business for 10 years or whatever. And one of the things that he realized that he learned through this and actually actually talked, saw him at a, at a meetup in not person. that long ago in, mm-hmm. in person. And he he kind of said, yeah, you know, it was really hard because, you know, he had forgotten what was key. And that was that he needed to sell himself and he needed to sell himself in the context of how he could benefit the company. And that's true whether you're doing a freelance consulting job, whether you're applying for a full time job. If you're going in there, your job is to be a salesperson and the product is yourself and the benefits are what you can do for that company. It's very, very simple. If you talk about how great you are, but you don't relate it to how it could benefit the company, you've missed an opportunity. You probably won't get the job. If you just go in there, oh my gosh, this is the best company. I've always, I have always wanted to work here. I love what you guys do. It's amazing. Great. You're going to come across as a really enthusiastic fan, but what are you going to do to communicate your to value? Company, yeah. And I think what, Ramit is saying here is, and I just got this frozen picture of him with his hands up. Yeah. He's like, ah! um, you know, I think what he's trying to, 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 to say is this is going to show this company that you understand them or that you're interested in understanding them, that you come up with a ton of great ideas you that you, care, act, you have a invested. plan, uh-huh. all of that. But what it says to me as a potential person to hire is this person is jumping to a whole lot of conclusions. Right. Without asking any questions whatsoever. Well, yeah. Without without asking questions, they're coming in saying, I know everything. I, that just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it does for me too. You know, uh, I'm, I think a better strategy, because see, on this show, Hattie, we don't just complain and talk about problems. We offer solutions. And here's the solution. Here's the right thing to do instead of this that I think will be just as effective. Okay. Bring it on. You, you, you're on the interview here and you sit down, they talk to you a little, well, tell me a bit about your background. You tell them about background that you, you know, highlighting the areas that you think would be applicable to the job. Because if you're interviewing for a job, chances are um, you're only at this, you're only getting a a face-to-face or phone interview because you've read the job posting you applied and they thought you're already a potential match for those skills. They're not wasting your time. You don't want to waste theirs. So you're already feeling like there's some kind of a connection here. So you're ready to go and, uh, and, and, convince them that you're the right person for the job so in this little get to know you talking session they're going to ask about your background you're going to talk about some things like that before they even get to the if if the employer potential employer or client says uh is there anything you'd uh, like to know any questions you'd like to ask about us if they've said that that's actually a bad thing. That means you didn't ask enough questions. You didn't right. you, because I've had people come in and all they do is talk about themselves or all they do is talk about how much they like the company, but they don't ask any questions or about the company. They only answer questions. They are not Right. Or the questions that they ask are, "What would a typical day be like for me in working here?" Th- don't worry about that. What are the hours that. like? <laughs> don't ask that kind of question. Okay. Question. But hold on, I'm, I'm still I'm okay. bu- I'm building up here. What I would say to do instead is as soon as you have an opportunity, ask the question and say, uh, based on this job description here, it seems like there's a lot of opportunity to uh, be involved in X, Y, and Z. What do you think are the biggest challenges uh, for you as a company that I could help with? 
You see, right. because you're all, what you're doing is you're framing immediately, as soon as possible, you're framing the context of your job. And what you're doing is you're saying, I acknowledge that you're bringing me here to help. And my goal is to help. And Tell I'm, me what I will be helping with. Yeah, what, what are the biggest areas that, uh, that I could help with? You here? know what else it does? What's it that? It puts you in their mind. They're already thinking now about... How could this person help? And they're already thinking about you in the job. Like, I feel like that's a very good mind. Absolutely. Trick. <laughs> very well said, too. You're, you're giving them the mental image of you that's what I was trying helping to say. in the job, in the context right. of what they need help with. And then when they say, well, what we're really looking for is to X, and your response is always going to be the same. Oh, man, that's perfect. I'm really good at that. Here's what I've done in other jobs that have uh, how right. I've helped other companies do this in thing that area in mm-hmm. this exact way. And here's what I've done. Don't give them a plan. Of, well, here's what I would do if I was working for right. you today. Don't. don't do that. Say, here's what I did over here. And they had a similar problem. And here's how I helped. It should be an extension of your resume. It's that's more right. experience. Okay, Dan, question. Go ahead, caller. What questions should they be asking i'm i know i'm not very good at asking questions because for me i don't want to ask too many questions or sometimes in the moment i'm so focused on trying to conduct the interview without you know have you been being, going on a lot of interviews recently yeah, tons i'm just of curious interviews. Yeah. yeah uh no um but just in the past i'm so focused on trying to <laughs> speak clearly and <laughs> be a normal person right um what questions should someone be asking in, a, in an interview? What questions are safe no matter what kind of interview? Are we talking about a job interview or are we talking job about a, for, a, for a client gig? Because mm. they're different, right? Which one do you think I should ask you? Well, let's just go with, we've been talking a little bit more about like a job interview, straight up job interview. I mean, the main things that, that I want to know, if I'm thinking about, uh, you know, obviously, like, yeah, I do want to know what kind of snacks they have, like, in their break or room. Or, like, what and, kind of com- what kind of company culture they have. Right. Am I going to be one of those crappy open offices that we now know are terrible? Or am I going to get my own, like, office up top with a view in do a corner? people play music, like, in the middle of right. the day? Those blaring. are the kinds of things people really want to know. But you but can't ask that. <laughs> you can't ask that. So, what you've got to ask instead, and the thing that I see people talking about the most these days it's what we see in the news all the time. It's what we see uh, both positively and negatively being talked about within companies is to what, what people want. And they want this as hiring managers in this companies because there is a tremendous both time and financial investment every time you hire someone. It's expensive time and money to hire someone. So what... What a hiring manager, especially in a bigger company, wants to know is, if I hire this person, are they going to work out and am I going to basically get my money's worth out of the hiring process? And that might take them a year or more to recoup what they're investing in getting you on the payroll, getting your benefits going, all of the stuff that's involved with it. At the same time, you as a person are probably thinking, What's the culture like in this company? Am I going to make friends? Am I going to make friends? (laughs) Am I going to like what I'm doing? It's very rare today in the professional world that the concern is really, will I like the work that I'm doing? Because 
Otherwise, you really wouldn't be applying. Right. Like, and I always go back to software development because that's, that's like the thing that I did. Like, if I'm writing Ruby or Java or whatever, like, I already know going into it, I'm going to be writing Java in this job. Right, I'm going to be writing Go. I'm going to be writing C, whatever it is. I kind of know, might like, be at a desk. I'm going to be writing code. <laughs> like, that's the thing that I know about. And you know what? The product that they make, I'm familiar with the product too. It's like, I already know I'm going to be working on that. Like, I've got a good picture of that. I don't really need to ask those kinds of questions. What I really want to ask is, what are the big challenges? How are you hoping to get there? How can I be involved in that process? And what is the culture like? What What do you guys do as a company to uh, to promote this work that I'm going to be doing and to, to make people here feel valued because that's the important thing. So the way that I think you approach that is by asking those kind of directed, but somewhat open ended questions, not uh, what project would I be working on, but more, how do you guys work around here? What, you know, because yeah, because there's people who like the oh scrum or agile or whatever, like for developers, like that's stuff that you would want to know. Um, And then every time that they give you an answer, the answer is always the same. Excellent. Either I did that here and it was very effective or I've really wanted to do that. It's something I've been reading about. You always have that positive response to every single thing that they say. Of course, it has to be genuine. Right. But that's mandatory. So the kinds of questions that you want to ask are going to demonstrate your knowledge of the company and knowledge of the products or services that they do. But also, and again, you said this perfectly before, help the hiring manager see you in that role already. Because I bet you nobody else has said anything like that. Everybody else says, well, where would I sit in here? (laughs) Okay, question. Do you think it would be... Is it too much to ask to say, can I get a small tour if it's a legit office and not just like... I would not ask that question. Too too invasive. Um, Usually they will give you a tour as as part of it anyway. But I think that that's going a little bit cart before the horse. Yeah. uh, in, in, In that, why would you get a tour if we have 20 more interviews to do today and we haven't even decided if we're calling you back yet, you know? Right, I guess, yeah. But what it shows is it shows you're interested in seeing the place and in learning more and in being part of it. Making sure you're not in a dark basement, you know? Right, <laughs> and, and so, so the, your reasoning behind wanting to ask for a tour, I think, is sound. Um, but or I think it might yet. be, might be, maybe that's a second interview. Now, a lot of the job interviews that I went on, they would give you a tour at some point in the interview. Right. As, at and the that's, end or at the beginning. But that's a good indication that things went well. If they, right. if they offer the tour. Oh, would you like end. to see around? Well, yeah, I want to show you around. I, I told you about the one time I got a tour and, uh, and got, uh, never got the job because of the tour, right? The, of the lady. Yeah. Cause yeah. the lady, did I tell that on this yeah. show? Is it worth telling again? It's a I'll quick, make it a quick yeah. one. Um, so there was one job that I had where I was a system administrator. Um, it was a very, very hard job. It was not very rewarding at all. I was disgruntled, but I needed the money. And, uh, and so I hadn't found a new job yet. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't doing my best work there. And I apologize to uh, all the people who were there. I got everything done. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe like my... How old were you? Um, 22, 23. Does anyone do their best work at 22 though? I'm just, I'm doing my best work ever now, right now on this show. Yeah. In this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but you know, like I, I wasn't say I was disgruntled, but I was just like didn't have An the best attitude. Kid. Yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, I was probably like tw- early twenties, mm-hmm. and you know, I never did anything bad. I never said anything bad. It's just I wasn't like a shining example of uh, an A plus employee, <laughs> right? And a few of the people that worked there were in the HR group. And, uh, and because this was like the corporate office and the HR people, they were not very skilled at computers and they were the type of people to, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just stating a fact here. Okay. They were the kind of people who were consistently, it seemed like intentionally doing things to damage their computers. <laughs> right. Like I told you the story of the one woman who she didn't like all the folders right, that were so at the root of her them. hard drive. So she either deleted them or put them into a folder called junk. You can't put the Windows directory into a directory junk. called junk while the machine is running or really at all. <laughs> um, you can't do that and not expect there to be problems. But she did things like that. And it, you know what? She probably had a Mac at home and back in system seven, eight time period. You could do whatever you wanted. It or would she just wasn't work. even thinking about it. She just got rid of it. Yeah, so just, I don't want to see that there. I don't know there. what these are. I mean, it's not my stuff. It's a virus. It's I'll still get rid of it. on the hard drive. I'll just put it in a place I don't have to see it. Makes right. sense. I do that with files on my desk. Right. Um, but so, you know, those people, they were always needing help. And uh, also they used this HR system that was really, really hard to support. And um, have you ever gone into like a store or something and they, they're they like, oh, we got to access such and such system. And oh. you see them open up a terminal window. They don't know they're opening terminal, but they're, uh, it's to them it's an application, but it's really terminal. And it's like ANSI VT100 emulation. And it's connecting to a remote machine and it's all like text-based even though they're in Windows. And, you know, and like, like they don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. They but just are regurgitating a same sentence again and again right. and it's like that kind of thing it's like um they used to have that kind of system and it was always going down and i had nothing to do with that system but i had to support the end and client and so it's like i was uh, my hands were always tied whenever they'd be asking for help uh, like, because it'd be know. like okay you know let me go and see and i actually had to go talk to somebody else about it and i would have to call them and they weren't always there and long story short um it didn't make it didn't make me seem like a an A plus uh, employee. So years later, three, four, five years later, I was interviewing somewhere. And the interview went. It was one of the best interviews that I'd ever had. Like, yeah, I wasn't even <laughs> sure I wanted to really work there. Uh, it had like a lot of brown carpet and things like that. I didn't yeah. didn't like it so much. Dreary, uh, old building. Yeah, but still, I was like, you know, it was better than where I was, if I remember right. And. Um, and so they were giving me this tour and I was walking through the thing and meeting people and saying hi. And then one lady pops out and uh, they're like, oh, and this is such and such. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we uh, we met. We used to work together here. And she's like, oh, hey, how have you been? I'm like, pretty good. She's like, okay, well, I'll talk to you later. And uh, never, gonna call never back. heard back from. I mean, it was it was almost to the point where the hiring manager was like. Here's where your desk's going to be. And, uh, oh, you know, it was like, oh, we don't really have any other good candidates at all. Are you really standing out? I mean, it was that kind of thing. She really put in a word for you, didn't she? And she basically probably went to him and is like, uh, don't uh, hire that guy. Yeah. He's he's a, a bad seed, you know. And, um, and uh, you know, I had come so far in the few years since then. I'd learned so much. I had come You'd so far. Down. I'd calmed down. <laughs> Uh, and you know, I was basically, you know, a, a completely different person. My approach and methodology had really changed. And, um, and of course 
that bad impression lasted all those years and she remembered it. And, uh, you know, and the funny thing is if I, if the situation had been reversed and I had been in that situation and then the hiring manager had introduced me to her and then later come and said, Oh, so you worked with uh, her before. What was she like? I would have said, you know, she used to complain a lot and it seems she yeah. was really unhappy with the, her job and didn't like anything. You know, like I would have said the same things. She quit the job, didn't she? And went to work at this other place. Right. So she wasn't happy there either, you know, but um, I was one being hired. So be careful with the tours, Hattie. Yeah. Careful, be careful when you go on a tour. That is exactly how you want to be thinking about your pitch meeting. You pull it out of your briefcase. There's something very theatrical about it. And they almost cannot resist. Okay. <laughs> they can and they will. They almost cannot, but they can. I would like to say thank you very much to another longtime sponsor who we love so, so much. Squarespace. Squarespace. You know, I was talking before about the stack of companies or services that I think every small business or large business for that matter, what they all need they need something like Squarespace because unless you are a web designer, web developer. And you got it covered. Yeah. And, and this is just what you do. Uh, you, you don't want to be building a website. And you also don't want to be spending a small fortune uh, to start your new business on, on the creation of a website when there's a much simpler, much more affordable and much more effective answer out there. We talk on this show a lot about the commodity of time. That is the one commodity you can never generate any more of. You can find ways to earn money. You can find ways to get more pencils. You can find ways to uh, to make pretty much anything happen, but you can't reclaim time. And Squarespace saves you time. It means you're going to focus more on the stuff that you're doing, whether that's your job, whether that's your new business, whether that's time with your family, whatever it is, Squarespace is going to help you get that time back. Because they make it really, really easy to create a beautiful website, a beautiful online store with their award-winning templates. These are the most beautiful things you've ever seen. They're incredibly easy to customize and make your own. And they're really the best way to present your ideas online. It's an all-in-one platform with 24-7 customer support, domain name registration, a logo creator, the built-in e-commerce, the built-in shipping stuff. You can, host your, uh, you can host your music if you're a musician. You can put up photo galleries. You can do those cool one-page landing sites. I mean, you name it. Squarespace does it all. Don't waste time trying to do this yourself when Squarespace has this problem solved. The place to go is squarespace.com, squarespace.com, and use the offer code QUIT to get 10% off your first purchase, and you'll also be showing support for this program. Uh, really great place. It's it's super simple. Whatever it is that you're doing, start with Squarespace. Squarespace.com, offer code QUIT for 10% off. Thanks very much to Squarespace for their continued support. Thank you, Squarespace. Well, let's see. We got another e- email here I want to do. Yeah, we got two new ones. Two new, Are they in an, is this an order? What does that one say? Follow up. Okay. We could do that one, but then the next one two are new. new. Yep, and the other one's new. But too. The, other, the other one doesn't say. I know I didn't anymore. write on it because you said we have to record now. All right, I'll read the. I'll read this one. I'll make all the other people wait, and I'll do the one that says new on the top. Is that your regular handwriting, or did someone else write that? I wrote that. It doesn't look like you're writing. 
That's because I was writing fast. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Hattie and Dan. Sorry, Dan, because he listed you first. Right. And then highlighted with a, a fluorescent yellow highlighter. You don't, do you remember the time before they had fluorescent highlighters? Do you, are you old? You're not old enough to remember uh, that. They've all been, your whole life, been you've the... grown up with only fluorescent highlighters. No, yes. no, I'm remembering just the flat kind of ugly mustardy yellow ones. I think you're remembering it because I said, do you remember it? And you fabricated the no. memory. It's like an implanted memory. Like when someone gets hypnotized and they, they come back thinking they were abducted by aliens. I think this is this case of that. I have to Google this. Well, anyway, there used to be highlighters that weren't fluorescent and they came out with fluorescent ones. I'm going to say in the 80s, mid 80s. Because I remember when we used to get them and they were really cool. And then they came out with the colors where it's like blue and yeah, pink. Yeah, I still and, don't yeah. care for those. Uh, so this is highlighted. You can say my name. It's Ben. So this is Ben. I'm writing to hear your take on my situation. My partner and I recently relocated to Hawaii from Ooh. Orlando. Now, I've heard good and bad things about Hawaii, but they relocated from Orlando, Florida. So it's a step up. So no matter what, it's a step up. <laughs> if you're in the United States and you left Orlando to go to blank, you have upgraded. Right. Relocated to Hawaii from Orlando, Florida for, the, for his job. I resigned my supervisor position with the tax assessor's office there, which has been my only professional career since graduating with a bachelor's in finance in the summer of 2009. So young. At which time finance jobs weren't abundant. I was a rock star there. Not only was I well-liked by everyone, I had amassed an extraordinary amount of subject matter expertise and could run circles around everyone else in Microsoft Excel. My qualifications and skills were very valuable to them, especially since the 2012 election was a new property appraiser when a new property appraiser was elected and the staff turned over more than once. We had roughly 135 employees at any one time, but since 2012, over 200 people have come and gone. Wow. I made $66,000, which was good money, but much less than my true worth to them. And I'll tell you what, 66K in Orlando, you can live okay. Yeah. Uh, You can live pretty good. Here in Hawaii, I've applied for dozens of analyst roles in and out of real estate. I've tried to market myself as a generalist rather than a specialist since most of my specialness had to do with my knowledge of Florida tax assessment. Here, I'm just a guy who knows Excel fairly well, which isn't saying much anymore, with the rise of Python, R, and other technologies, which I've struggled to learn on my own. Hattie, what is R? What is it? How is it spelled? The letter R in caps. Just the capital letter R. Could you look that up while I do this? Because now I feel like if, if Python has risen and R has risen, and I don't know what R is, what is R? I'm losing touch. R is a language environmental environment for statistical computing and graphics. It is a GNU project, which is similar to the GNU. S language. An environment which is developed at Bell Laboratories, formerly AT&T, now Lucent Technologies by John Chambers and colleagues. R can be considered as a different Im- implementation of S. There are some important differences, but much code written for S runs unaltered under R. Okay. So uh, nothing that... Uh r-project.org nothing i need to know (laughs) okay um let me find my place okay uh rise of python r and other technologies which i've struggled to learn on my own after five weeks i've managed to get an independent contractor role doing vba programming 
That's Visual Basic, right? You want to Google that one, VBA? Yeah. My agreement with this firm runs through September at the rate of $50 per hour. Not bad. I'd love to transition into a permanent position with them after that, so I need to prove myself. The problem is I'm struggling with my first assignment. It seems so simple, but it's something I've never done before. I did not profess any experience with this particular functionality, so to some extent it's excusable, but it's rocked my confidence. Am I an imposter? What should I do? Thank you, Dan and Hattie. Sorry, Hattie. I love quit and five by five. Ben, what is VBA? VBA, uh, Visual Basic for Applications. VBA is an implementation of Microsoft's event-driven programming language, Visual Basic 6, which was discontinued in 2008. Okay, so he is using (laughs) Visual Basic, which is a dead language. And here he is. He's got a $50 an hour gig. But he's he's doing Visual Basic now. There's nothing wrong with using a dead language. Um, there are, uh, you know, we were talking to somebody at that same meetup with Greg Story. Yep. Somebody's doing coding in Fortran. These there are tools out there like Fortran and Visual Basic that they work. They do the job, and you know what? You don't need anything different for that. That's just fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it still is a dead language. It'd be like, oh, is that um. The Greg's wife that was yeah. talking about that yeah. horrible program she used to use. Yeah. But it works and yeah. it's fine. <laughs> it just works. Uh, you know, you learned Latin in high school, right? Yes. And no, it is not a dead language. It is not? People no. are speaking Latin? Yeah. Around schools everywhere. Schools everywhere. Mm-hmm. You say you saved Latin single-handedly, didn't Sawway. you? Uh, so, you know, there are people who are... Latin is a valuable, it has its place and it's valuable, especially it's still used in lots of things. Medicine would be a good example of that. Yeah. So understanding, knowing, and Harry Potter, sort of Latin-esque. She actually used um, a lot of Latin terms. That's why all the the spells don't sound stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh, lumos Uh means light. Mm -hmm. Like, huh. So I I think of uh, VBA kind of as like Latin in the Mm -hmm. world of programming. But what it seems like he's running into here is he he he's never done it before, and he didn't come in saying, "Yeah, I can do I can do VBA, dude." I can't tell you how many jobs that I went to, and I saw a list of technologies on their thing on their uh, job description. Went in there and like, "Oh, you have any experience with this?" Like. <laughs> What do you think, dude? Of course, I'm Duh. here, aren't I? <laughs> and then if it looked like promising, like I was going to get the job, I immediately went to, this is before the internet. Right. I'd immediately drive like like directly from the <laughs> interview it, peel out. <laughs> to like uh, to like Barnes & Noble and go to the O'Reilly book section and pick up the animal book on, right. the, uh, on the technology I would need to know and like study up on it before interview number two. But the thing, the thing about that was as a programmer... Once you learn a few different programming languages, it, it's very easy to pick up a new programming language. Right. You just need to understand the nuances of the language and the syntax. And the syntax and you'll get going pretty fast eventually. And I think it's the same way. Whenever I meet somebody from uh, from Europe, uh, they speak like thirty different languages. And right. you know, and and I'm not talking about highly educated people from Europe. I'm talking about just, average right. people speak three to five languages over there. The the lady I got a I had pulled something in my shoulder from, um, you know, working out, and I went and got a, a massage. And the massage therapist she was from, um, 
Mol- Moldova? Moldo- Moldova. And, uh, and she spoke, I guess they speak Romanian there, but she spoke like three, four languages, including English. Yeah. Fluent. T- perfectly. I mean, she had an accent, but it's perfectly fluent and everything. I'm like, you know, and she's like, oh, that's normal from where I am. Yeah. Everyone speaks them. Programming, I think, is, is languages are very similar in that. Once you get really good at one, you can pick up the other ones. But it sounds like... Uh, Especially if they're romance languages. Based on Latin. Boom. There you go. <laughs> That's why you speak so many languages, isn't I, it? I know. Don't even guilt me. It's the one It's the one thing in my life that I'm very disappointed in myself for. Well, it's. I know that you were taking that... The, computer course thing oh uh, my, was that german you were learning uh german and then i also had my um my french one going too but i liked the german that was your french accent is scary good though i will say that well my mom speaks french and german fluently nice. so well anyway back she's to ben one of those smart people there she is back to ben you know i don't know what you're doing to master VBA and to use it. But this would be advice for anybody. Anytime that you're in some kind of a challenge like this, like there's nothing magical about any skill. Talent is a different thing, right? Some people are just going to be talented in different areas, but there is no skill out there that you cannot master. If you are willing to devote the time and put in the energy and it sounds like you're already doing that. It sounds like you already are in a situation where you're kind of being forced to learn and master something and you're already doing it. I mean, it might not be fun. It might not be easy to learn something new, but just because it's something that you've never done before doesn't mean you can't get very good at it. There are a lot of things that you've probably never done before that you subsequently got to be very good at. I mean, most of the things that we do in our life, at one point we didn't know how to do them and we learned how to do them. Even walking. And now we do them and we do them well and we do them without thinking. Uh, So don't let your confidence be affected by this. If anything, your confidence should probably be boosted by it because you got a, a job and you're being paid to do something and you are doing it. I mean, that there's something to be said for somebody who just says, you know what? I'm going to embrace this challenge. I'm going to try something new and I'm going to figure it out. Like you've already done the hard part. Now it's just like reading a book or a couple of websites about VBA and, and clicking around and figuring it out. Like you can't expect to be great at something the first time that you do it. You can't expect to know how to roller skate as soon as you put the roller skates on. Roller blades, sorry, Hattie. <laughs> Blading. You know, like everything takes time and practice. Okay, so speaking of the gym, <clears throat> I was at um <clears throat> I was at the gym training over the weekend and uh they they were having me do some new stuff I hadn't done before. And usually when I would do some kind of new exercise uh, you know, especially like these things like the TRX presses and all these other things they have you do that require a core stability and a certain degree of balance and a certain degree of remembering, we'll do this movement and then this one and then this one and then this one. Um, so many of those things when I was first starting, I was very intimidated when I was going to, to train, uh, not only because I knew that I wasn't 
physically strong the way I needed to be, but also because they would tell me to do something and like they would demo the movement or whatever it was. And immediately I'd be like, uh, wait, what am I supposed to do? And I knew that I would do it wrong. And like, it's kind of embarrassing because you're in front of like a room full of people who are all doing the right thing. And your trainer's sitting there looking at you like, I just demoed it for you. Um, but I'll demo it again. The trainers are really, really good where, where I go and they were never impatient or anything, but they were in fact more understanding toward me than I was toward myself. That's the mark of a good trainer. Right. They didn't care how many times I'd mess it up. They just show me again. And, but I was like to myself, I'm like, I should be able to do this. Well, over the, over this weekend, they gave me a whole bunch of new stuff to do. And I found that over, you know, training for the last year or however long I've been doing it more than a year that even though it was something new that I had enough of a framework and I had enough muscle memory and coordination to just do it right the first time. And I'm not saying it was perfect, but I knew I was doing it right. And I knew that I would improve and that the next time that I do it, it'll be perfect. Well, it's the same thing, man, with the stuff that you're doing. Uh, you know, you're, you're just getting started and you can't be expected to to be perfect. As long as you didn't lie about what you were able to do, as long as you didn't say, yeah, I know how to do this. If you went in saying, well, I, I, I'll figure it out, guess what? You'll figure it out. And uh, the fact that you already are doing it, like I said, that that was the hard part there. The fact that you accepted the challenge and that you're putting in the time and the energy, uh, I'll tell you what, that's the hard part. Now is just like looking stuff up. That's yep, easy. Learning. Anyone can do that. You'll do it. I hope I answered this question. I don't know if I did. You think I did? Think I answered? I think you did. All right. I got to do one more sponsor. Let me tell you about SendPro. SendPro? What? You've heard of SendPro from Pitney Bowes, the shipping people? Well, in case you haven't, I'm sure you've heard of Stamps.com. SendPro has three times the features of Stamps.com. At one third of the price. This is real. I'm not making this up. What does that mean? It means you can ship stuff from your computer very effectively, both time wise and cost wise. You can print stamps from your computer, saves you time and money. You don't need to get any special equipment. You don't have to wait in line at the post office. You don't have to install any software. All happens inside your browser. That's really nice because there's a lot of other systems where you're going to install special software and you're going to run it and make sure it's at now. That's nonsense. You don't have to do that. You can print paid shipping labels. You can do it with USPS, UPS, and more, you name it. You can even track these shipments from the same easy-to-use interface. You're not hunting around different websites. Where do I put the tracking number? It's all right there. And they even negotiate special rates for SendPro users. Uh, so you can saving starting at like $0.03 cents per stamp. And that really adds up. They have a special URL to go to. The URL is pb.com slash quit. PB is peanut butter. They're the peanut butter company, pb.com slash quit. When you sign up, if you go to that URL, when you sign up, you'll get SendPro free for 90 days, which translates to roughly three months, by the way. You get a free 10-pound scale. Does that mean the scale weighs things up to 10 pounds or itself weighs 10 pounds? No way to know until you sign up. And when That's the mystery. When your free trial's over, you will get SendPro for only $5 a month. $5 a month? Versus fifteen ninety nine a month for stamps.com. You don't want that. Three times the features, one third the price. PB.com slash quit. Do it. Go mail check stuff. this out if you want to mail stuff. I'm not kidding, okay? This is Seriously. real. Seriously. Do it. 
Thank you very much to SendPro, pb.com slash quit. All right, I have another, uh, another email here. It says right at the top, highlighted in fluorescent yellow, please do not use my name. Hey, Dan and Hattie, I've been listening to all the great shows for a long time and have finally found myself in a position where I could use some outside advice. I work in the auto industry as a marketing director for a small group of dealerships. I've been in this role for five years now, and about two years ago, my manager left the company. Instead of filling the position, the head guy decided to split up the responsibilities between myself and another person in a different area of the business. I didn't take over all the things he did, but I did take on a pretty good amount of additional responsibilities. Okay. This sounds typical. This is not weird. I'm all right with it so far. I've approached the topic of, hopefully you got a raise. I've approached the topic of restructuring my compensation about every three months since. Uh Uh-huh, you didn't get a raise. Going as far as building different possibilities that make sense to my role. But my requests for discussion keep getting pushed aside. Of course they do, because you've already taken on more work and you haven't gotten any kind of bump or raise. So, of course, they're going to push it aside because that might mean they actually doing have to pay you more. Free work You're already again, doing the free work. Just like the first email. Plus, because of all the new things I've taken on, I'm finding it harder to give my core responsibilities the attention they need, which I'm concerned could bite me somehow or other in the future. They will. Not being a person who likes to make excuses for things not getting done, I've become a walking stress machine. Long story short, I think I've come to terms that a move is necessary for both my own sanity and my career. I don't really want to leave, but I feel like I'm moving backwards somehow, almost like I'm losing my edge. Over the years, I've been able to build up my reputation in my field and have been approached by folks on the vendor side as well as other groups in the industry. In addition, I've been moonlighting a little and have recently started thinking that I might be able to do what I do as a business. I've got four options at this crossroad, and I think you guys might be able to help shed some light on it. Option one, go to work on the vendor side, which would turn me into a corporate stooge, but could be financially pretty good. Option two, go to work for a larger group doing the same kind of job with a bit more structure and better pay, but again, a corporate stooge, just not as much stooge as option number one. (laughs) Option three, suck it up. Realize we all have to do things we don't like sometimes and be thankful for a job that allows me to take care of my family. Option four, Continue to moonlight and add clients while keeping my job until I'm able to make the switch of starting my own business. I really appreciate the show and all the things you guys do. Here are some observations. And uh, uh, one of them uh, one of them that jumps out at me is what Please Do Not Use My Name did not say is I really want to start my own business. I really want to run my own thing. I really want to get out right, there and I'm do chomping this. at the bit. Including me, everybody that I've ever known who is successful, and I'm not saying I'm successful. I'm saying the people that I know who are successful and the people uh, who, who, who enjoy and wind up in running their own business, these are people who can't imagine not running their own business. I wanted to start a business ever since I was a kid in col- in high school. I had business uh, businesses in college. I had them and all I ever wanted was to do my own thing that I'm not saying you have to do that to be successful running your own business. Not at all, but drive, I haven't heard any yeah. of that from please do not use my name. I didn't hear that from this person 
And a lot of the times when we get these emails, I really want to start my own business. I'm just trying to figure out how to do it. Right. Now, maybe please not use my name feels that way, but they didn't say it in the email, so I don't know. But because they didn't say that, and because that was option number four, not option right. number one. They would have put that as number one if that was what they wanted to from, do. If you're like, if, if I'm sitting there in a job I don't like, and you're like, Dan, what would you really like to do? Well, duh, I'd like to run my own thing. That's my first choice. I don't know how to do that. But right. yeah, that's what I'd like to do. This is number four on this person's list. So I'm going to say, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Right. Uh, person, you want to write me back? Five by five TV slash contact, pick click quit and click it and uh, send me an email and say, no, dude, you're wrong. I just listed it forth because I feel like it's a long shot. That's right. fine too. Um, and you can always do it. You can always realize maybe you're hearing me say this and you're like, but it is what I want to do. And that gives you the drive to do right. it. And you're going to do it. Good. But I'm saying from, from what I'm seeing here, it doesn't seem like that's what you should do. Um, option number three, where you say, suck it up, realize we have to do things we don't know. I don't, I don't like that option. I'm not even going to talk no. about it because that's piss poor and I'm not going to go there. <laughs> option number two, go work for a larger group doing the same kind of job. In other words, the same thing you're doing now for a bigger company. And option number one was go work as a vendor and you feel that that would be a corporate stooge thing. And it sounds like uh, this person has the same kind of disdain for becoming a corporate stooge that, that I did yeah. and, and do. Um. So, you know, the first thing I would do is I would investigate your options uh, of option one and option two. If there's another group out there and you think that, uh, that they might hire you, go talk to them right now and say, you know, I've been right. at the company that I've been at for a while and, um, you know, there's some things that have happened. I think I'm ready to try something new. What you got? Do you still, you know, we talked a while ago, is it still open? Is it still something you'd like to do? What what would that look like? And take that to the most logical extreme. I would say take it as far as getting an offer in your hand. Go on the tour, you know, and do that both on the vendor side and for the larger group doing the same thing that you're doing now. Do that. Interview at both of those places or multiple places and get a couple, get a, get a job offer. Have a job offer in your hand and see how that makes you feel. Are you excited about going to the new place? Are you feeling like you'd be selling your soul? There's nothing wrong with doing a corporate stooge job if that's what you need to do. If I all of a sudden didn't have businesses that were making me money and I had to go work somewhere, like, yeah, okay, I'll go work somewhere and I'll be a real good employee for a while, you know, maybe forever, maybe for a short period of time, uh, but it'll get you out of the situation that you're in that, that's making you feel unhappy. And that's key. Now, if you actually like where you work, but and you would like to stay there if you could make more money and the jump in money is not huge. It's not like you're making 50 and you think you're going to get a hundred K out of it. Right. It's but like just something reasonable. you're making 50 and you want to make 60 or 55 or whatever, go get these other job offers and go then go into your boss and say, Hey, uh, you know, since I took on this additional responsibility, I've requested multiple times to talk to you about better compensation. Uh, but right, you it keeps getting pushed. Yeah, it I keeps getting like pushed out, and, and and you know, I've actually like I had to take some action. I yeah, and I I really want to stay, but like I've actually got a couple job offers, uh, and they're offering me X, and and you can say I would much rather I'd stay much here. rather stay here. 
I like you people. I like, right. you know, I like where my desk is. I like, you know, everything that we've done over the, over the years. Right. I just don't like that my request for better compensation right. was I have, overlooked. I have a bigger job. I'm doing more and uh, working harder. And uh, I, I need to get paid for that. And right. if they say, hey, you think you can find something better somewhere else? Go for it. Bye. Yeah, you, you got like, two offers. Okay, now I got these two offers. I'm going to go pick the one I like best. I, I think that's what you've got to do. Yeah, I think so too. But don't waste your time just sucking it up and don't... Yeah, don't suck it up. You deserve to be happy. Def- definitely. And don't uh, do not do the moonlighting thing unless... You, this is the thing. Some people will take like a like a freelance job or a moonlighting type situation because they want to keep learning new things and their regular job doesn't afford them that opportunity or they do it because they like the variety or because they're bored or whatever. That's fine to do it. Uh, but if you really do feel like you want to run your own business, there's so much that comes along with that. You've really got to be ready for that. You didn't mention what your infrastructure at home is like if you've got a support system, whether it's a spouse or parents or whatever that you might need to rely on to do that. I don't know. Um, and the fact that you didn't say any of those things shows me you're not really seriously thinking about that as an option either. So scrub option three and four, focus on one and two simultaneously, go to those interviews, get a couple job offers, and then you can walk back into your current place if you choose and say, I've got the power here. Uh, I can walk if I need to walk. And um, and this kind of goes back to our, our full circle circle of life. Make a change to our initial topic of, you know, not being afraid to make a change uh, just because you're thinking that uh, it might not be better. It might be better. Right. It might be a lot better. So we'll end with that. Hey, I think I think that's good. I think we solved some problems today. I hope so. If you want to share your questions, thoughts, concerns with us, we love it. We need it to do these shows. The way that you can do it is go to five by five TV slash contact click on the link for quit i will get the email if you don't want us to use your name on the show please say at the very top do not use my name uh, or if you want to use a fake name you can but it's very important otherwise we'll think it's okay and i'll say your name and i'll somehow we'll get you, you in trouble yeah. yeah we don't want to do that i am at dan benjamin on twitter you can talk to hattie on twitter too she's at hattie bird h-a-d-d-i-e bird Uh, We'd love to hear from you there as well. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week. 